Welcome back to another great episode of Comedians in Bed. And as always, I have another great guest here for you, man. She's been killing the stage here in Columbus and all over the Midwest. And I'm so glad we got her here today. She took a break from being one of the best moms in Ohio to come stop on our little raggedy show here today. So we're so thrilled and excited about that, man. Uh, one of the funniest persons here in Columbus, man, she's been killing the stage. I know you guys are going to like her. I love her really a lot. Please, everybody, give it up for Nikki Winkleman, everybody. Thank you, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was such a nice intro. Thank you. <laughs> What's going on, Nikki? How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I just finished uh, dinner with my kid and then like raced up here and 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 now I'm talking to you. <laughs> Man, listen, uh, I wanted to I've never um, this is this is by far the most we're ever going to talk. <laughs> I've never told you because like um, I, I mean, I am a young comic, so I just try to stay out the way and just keep my mouth shut and just keep my eyes open, my ears open too, to just try to see what's going on. But like one of the, like you really um. You really inspire me because like you're a mom and you're doing comedy like that is so like freaking dope because I don't know how you do it. So like that's so dope. So I just want to say like we got like Superwoman on our show here today and I'm so excited about it. Oh, my God. Thank you. Um, yeah, I it is hard. I, I don't always feel like Superwoman. Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing a good job at either thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's how usually yeah. superhumans feel like they feel like i'm not doing enough <laughs> yep. it is like yeah, you risk I, your, you risk it, your it life for like strangers. multitasking where you're like um am i doing any of these things well <laughs> right man yeah. right that's crazy man yeah because i'll be thinking like man any parent that do it man it's it's crazy you're at a level now that you don't have to like go to open mics every every night so that's a little different but just still chasing your dreams and being a parent i feel like is uh very difficult um just for some fact because like my mom didn't do the same so like yeah. any parent that like do it i'll be like commend you because i know that'd be playing on your heart like am i doing enough <laughs> like, am i a good parent it does. it does for sure there are times when i'm like i'm at shows and i'm i feel like i'm missing stuff with my kid i had a show in cincinnati the same night that his preschool had graduation and it was like i'd already booked the show when the preschool told us about it so it was like there's nothing i could do but you know it's those things that sometimes you just miss out on but also like preschool graduation is not, <laughs> not a real thing right <laughs> right it's, you got to give yourself that pep talk like he's not even going to remember that i'm not <laughs> he'll probably ask where i was at in the picture i'll be like i was taking the picture so you know that's it <laughs> Yeah, man, they that's call, dope. They call it preschool, but it's day. I mean, it's daycare, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they learn stuff. <laughs> they learn stuff, but he's there all day. And then even though he graduated, he's still there until he's yeah. kindergarten. So, yeah, man. Yeah. That stuff is crazy, man. Yeah, I'm not... Uh... I, I play, whenever I do have kids, I'm like, yeah, these little suckers is... uh Not every time, but I'm going to make them come to the club with me. They just going to sit in the back, have some headphones and a little... A little uh, iPad to play with, cause yeah, that's crazy. You want to have kids? Yeah, I want to have kids. Um, I don't know when that's gonna happen. I'm thirty. <laughs> I'm thirty two without no kids. <laughs> it's a good thing, but then again, I'm starting to feel like, dang, am I ever gonna have kids? But I'm taking them. I'm taking all these minutes, days, and years without them. I'm in, I'm gonna enjoy it as long as I can, cause that's a For whole sure. adjustment. <laughs> 
for sure. I was 33 when I had my son. It's a little different for women, you know, because you, you got to make them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, my kid's father it, uh, was almost 40. We got we got it got him into fatherhood right before he turned 40. So uh, he was like six months away from turning 40. So, Dude. yeah. My, yeah. Experience, my experience has been like the longer you wait, the more women question you like. So are you planning on having any kids or is there something you want to tell us? Like, that's what... <laughs> and it's like, dang, dog, like, I can't just have no kids. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, people have them at all ages, you know, I mean, some people yeah. have them. Young. There, there are times that I wish that I had had them younger. Um, just because like I'm tired. I got I gotta be 40 next year. So like I and he's five, so I got a long way to go. But um yeah. But you, you do not look 40. You do not like you about look like you about to be 40 at all. Thank you. I've on a lot of makeup. <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, I appreciate that. I people ask me all the time, like how how I stay looking young, and then they don't like the answer because I don't smoke cigarettes, I don't drink alcohol, and I don't drink coffee. That's the one where people get really mad. <laughs> that's a that's a good combination. Uh, yeah, that's a really good combination. Yeah, because my uh, yeah, I'm well, I'm a vegetarian. That that helps. Yeah, that helps. Mm -hmm. A little bit. I still eat cheese, so it, it, I can't get rid of the cheese. I know it's bad, but it, cheese got a hold on me, man. It's like cheese is my kryptonite. I just like the thought of me not eating mac and cheese is wild to me. Like that's. Just... I I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I think I could give up meat, but I don't think I could give up cheese. I think I eat cheese every single day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you put cheese in things, or are you just taking a slice of cheese and eating it, like? both sometimes i'll just take a slice of cheese out of the refrigerator and just eat it especially well, if it's like late night snack and i don't want like because I, I had to get away from eating sweets at night because it'll keep me up too late like mm. if i eat sugar at night i can't i just like i'm stay up too late so um but now like if i get a little hungry and i want just a snack i'll just like take a slice of cheese <laughs> That's funny because, like, if you take if you eat a slice of cheese, it's like it's weird. But if you get a cheese stick, it's not weird. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> that's so true. Uh, I never thought about that. Hold on, I'm about to write that down. Uh, that's that's a good uh, that's a good joke. Cheese. That's a good joke. You got write that down. Versus just a slice of cheese, and that, folks, is how you come up with jokes. Slice. Of <laughs> how long have you been doing comedy? I only been doing comedy for three and a half years. It'll be four in the fall. So, but yeah, that's how I come up with jokes. I'll just like, if I'm talking to somebody, that's why I like talking to people contrary to belief. Like, I know what I'm talking about, but like, if I fuck with you, like, I like talking to people because like, I'll come up with some good shit or just like, I'll just be thinking randomly and just be like, oh, that, that sounds, that sounds nice. Um, but yeah, like three to five, three and a half years in, and I'm learning a lot. That's why I like, er, I think we're recording. I told you, like, I don't really like to talk and stuff where I'll be at mics. So I'll be trying to learn yeah. so much. There's so much to learn and um, just getting in the clubs and stuff. So I'll be like, all right, let me just be on good behavior and just make sure I go up there when they say my name, get off, don't run the light, and do the best that I can. So 
as been my All that goes such a long way. I mean, I remember when I first started, I certainly wasn't the pinnacle of professionalism when I first started either. I mean, it was just like, I was young, you know, I started, first time I went on stage, I was 19, but I started here in Columbus 17 years ago. So, um, yeah. And, you know, I think I went long on like my first set at the funny bone, like I ran the light. And then I remember somebody telling me after where they're like, you can't do that. And I was like, it's not that big a deal, is it? And they're like, it's a big deal. So yeah. I had a lot to learn when I first started. So I try to be mindful of that with new comics too, to just like kind of gently give them the information. Cause some people just truly don't know. They show up, they they're like, I wrote jokes and they don't really know the rules, but yeah. it's all about like, I think learning those rules and you can tell the people who are serious about it and the people who aren't. And like, I can tell that you're serious about it. Cause oh, I yeah. see that you're there to like learn and, and pick things up. And that's always good. I, I, I like seeing that. I'll be trying to come to the weekend shows, but like it'd be mixed messages. It'd be like, it's free. If it's not sold out. And then it'd be like, yeah, we're not sold out, but it's not free. So I'll be like, well, because <laughs> yeah. I live downtown. It's not like it's around the corner. Gas is high. So I'll be like, listen, unless I get a definite answer on what it is, like I would be there more. But yeah. But um, so what, when did you uh, where did you start doing comedy? You're, you're not from Columbus, are you? So I am from Columbus. Uh -huh. I grew up in Westerville. I went to Westerville South High School. And then when I graduated, I went to University of California, Santa Barbara for college. So I wanted to go into acting. So I was I got into their acting BFA program and um, and then I got into drugs. And so then I dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sometimes that happens. So. What drugs? Yeah. I know it's really surprising. A lot of people are very surprised about that. Um, yeah, I did not leave school with a lot of friends. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I just, I, and it wasn't a very long amount of time because it, you know, I was only out there, I was out there three and a half years. I was very okay. close to being done with school, but I also was not close to being done with school because I was doing drugs. <laughs> but I partied a lot and then, um, and then kind of hit rock bottom more than kind of, I mean, I hit rock bottom and had to come home and, uh, got clean, um, got sober. Um, I've had, you know, kind of a on again, off again relationship with alcohol since then, but I've been clean from drugs since I came home. So, um, yeah, so, uh, so that's all been good, but, um, but that's why I came back from California. Are we talking hard drugs or little drugs? I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit of both. Okay. Hey, living. Hey, I, I, yeah. you know, growing up, I thought drugs was bad. But when you live in America, you need drugs. <laughs> yeah. It's all about, I mean, life's all about balance and moderation, you know, finding what works for you. Plenty of people can like smoke weed and feel good about it. If I smoke weed, I get like super paranoid heart racing really? sleep i just i don't like it and every i swear to god every person i tell this to who likes smoking weed they're like well you just haven't smoked weed with me i wasn't gonna say that that sounded a little creepy i wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess it is a little bit creepy but <laughs> they're just like well you haven't found the, the right weed, weed. <laughs> 
Yeah, but well, I was gonna say like you do gotta try the right read, the right the right yeah. read, uh, weed. Um, mm-hmm. that is true because uh, so my drug dealer is a. I'm not gonna tell his business, but I make sure I ask what kind of weed this is, and I look it up. This is a famous website I go to every time, leafy.com, and it lets me know <laughs> what I'm getting myself into. Um, but believe it or not, every time I go on stage, I'm pretty much high. Really? Yeah, I'm high every time. I don't, so I can't smoke a whole blunt because then I'm a I'm a bomb. But like right. I just take like like three to five hits and then I'm good. Just it just really I just use it really just to calm my anxiety down because I've had too many panic attacks on stage, and yeah. it's, it's real awkward when nobody knows that you're having a panic attack and you're like panicking. <laughs> it's just so yeah, I take and then I take it and then I hit it like about an hour before. The mic starts so then by the time i go up whenever it is i'm like i'm barely high anymore so yeah i do that but like getting full-blown high no nah, i can't do that yeah. yeah 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 i remember like so i've i've had there you know so when i say that i've been clean from drugs so like the drugs that i got real bad into were um like uh opiates you know oh, yeah. so like I, I don't i like um painkillers and stuff like that you know so i don't um i stay away from that um but and then i also did cocaine so i'm not staying away but i have tried weed a little bit like since just to see like if it'll it'll work for me and it just doesn't (laughs) i remember the most recent time was like i was i was somewhere and i said um, I don't drink alcohol, so what do you? I said to the bartender, I was like, "What do you have that doesn't have alcohol in it?" And she gave, she sold me a drink that had Delta Nine in it, oh, and God. she told me that it had Delta Nine in it, but I didn't know what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so yeah. I was just like sure, trying to be cool, like sure, whatever, Delta Nine, you know. And I started drinking it, and I was with my friend Adrian Cosby, and mm-hmm. Adrian saw that I was drinking that, and he goes, "You know, that's what that is, right?" And, and it was kind of too late. Like I'd already started drinking it and I was like trying to pass up. Like, ah, I'll be fine. Whatever. And, um, and we were watching a show and then the show, um, ended and I was like, I feel fine. So I'm going to go home. And I went home and I was like getting ready for bed. And I'm just like brushing my teeth. And I'm just like, man, I feel like I've been brushing my teeth for a while. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, how long have I been in here brushing my teeth? And yeah. then I was like, oh shit, I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, it took man. me like a good hour to like get ready for bed because it's just like I was like, oh yeah, I, I definitely got got stoned from that. But it didn't necessarily feel bad, but it didn't feel good. I was like, I don't Yeah. No, nah, I know what you mean, because uh I messed around. Cause I looked at my schedule today. I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I had to work, and then I had like 30 minutes off, and then I had go to my counselor at three, and I got high like at close to 11. And then by the time I got off work, I was like, bro, I, I messed around and got too high. I think <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then I was closing my eyes. And next thing I know, it was 3:30. I'm like, God dang, she gonna be so mad. I missed this session. <laughs> Yeah, so like, um, I've done other drugs too. I've done ecstasy. Uh, well, the kids call it Molly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just I don't know what I was listening to that rap, and I was like, I guess I'll do it too. 
And uh, the person that uh, I was dating somebody at the time and I made her take it first and then I waited and she looked normal. So I was like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> and that's that's the and I and that is the extent of it, because you know what, that Molly, we we did it wrong. Like we did it at 11 o'clock at night, which was purely dumb. And we I was up all night. We were up all yeah. night. And then the next day I was up all night and I was like, I don't want to be this high. I don't need to be this high anymore. And that was it. I've never done cocaine. Uh, I think because my nose is just too big to be doing cocaine. I don't know. how. <laughs> my, my brother has done cocaine. My sister has done cocaine. Uh, she didn't make it. The, the streets took her. She gone. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I knew she was going to die when, like, one of the last few times I seen her and she was walking around with no front teeth. I was like, yep, that's it. That's gone right there. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, nah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I feel like I, uh, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm working on uh, trying to get like 30 minutes so I can do an album and name it after her. That's what I want to do. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, she was a full blown crackhead, man. I ain't really know until I went to counseling. My counselor was like, she, is she? She sounded like she got addict behavior. And I was like, oh, crap. I've been living with a crackhead for this long and didn't even realize. <laughs> but I commend you on, yeah. like, kick, kicking the drug habit and stuff like that because them pills is really, um, they really are addictive. And I, uh, yeah. I that, that'd be my biggest fear is, like, going to the hospital and they try to give me some pills. And I'm like, nah, I don't I don't mess with that. That's partly why I do uh, weed for, like, my, my depression and oh. my anxiety because I don't, I don't want to get with the pills. So I and then weed's not like physically addictive either, so which yeah. is nice. Yeah, I mean the, the, anything, I th anything being mentally addictive. But. I think the habit of putting something to your lip, pause, yeah. is what makes it addictive <laughs> more than anything for real. But when yeah. I move, or like if Ohio gets uh, weed legal, then I'm gonna go ahead and just do edibles and stop smoking. That's yeah. my plan. Yeah, yeah. So all right, so you. What made you okay? So when you came back from when you came back from Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. what made you pick up comedy and was like, all right, I'm gonna do this? And what's making you still pursue it? So I started when I was in California. I did my first like show when I was out there, and it was an open stage night. It wasn't an open mic night, so it was a bunch of different acts. So it was like poetry reading and like you know acoustic guitar, like everything. There was an improv group at the end, but there weren't any other stand-ups. So I, they loved me, and I thought yeah. I was like a, amazing at it. And then I did an open mic night, and that was like a, <laughs> a reality check because I was like, oh, now I'm with a bunch of other comedians, not the only yeah. person trying to make people laugh. But um, yeah, so then when I, you know, got um, had to come home, and I I wanted to keep doing something, and I knew I wasn't gonna really be able to keep acting you know or wasn't going to be able to go back to school at least for a while so i was like i want to keep doing stand-up so i remember just like reaching out to um i just remember going on the funny bone website and they were starting their contest and like rick tempesta's email address was on the website and so i like emailed him like hey are there any spots for the contest and it was full and then i was like well that's okay i'll go see the first one and then when i was there he said, hey, we had somebody drop out for next week. So can you come next week? So I came and I got on the spot and I made it to the finals and and then I just kept doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it's funny, like now I um, I was kind of just like a couple of years ago, 
talking to Kenny Mock about that story. And he was like, he was like, yeah, he goes, my first time at the Pony Mall was a contest too. He's like, that was my first, you know, basically our, both of our first time was in a contest. And he was like, which contest was it? I was like, Alex Stone won it. And he goes, oh, that was my first. So we both started at the exact same time. Oh, that's what's up, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, um, <clears throat> I was in, as you know, funniest person contest this year. And I didn't realize how many like new people had like made it to the finals. Like Jesse's session is, uh, has only been doing it for a couple months. Yeah. Uh, Josh O's only been doing it for like less than a year. I think his year might be coming up. So I was like, dang, like we got some good yeah. heat. How did you um, feel about the contest? Like when you first started, like what's the progression from like when you first started and you was in it to where it's at now? And how did you feel that this year's uh, contest went? Um, so when, you know, when I first started, I, I didn't really know much about how it was run or anything. And then, you know, through the years from doing it, you kind of, you, you start seeing what's going on and seeing who's in charge and stuff like that. Um, and this was like the very first contest that, um, what's the first one in a while at the funny bone. And it's the first one that Kenny and Henry had run. And, um, and I was really just helping out. Um, it was really their, you know, their baby. Um, but there's a lot of, there were a lot of learning experiences. Um, in particular, uh, the semifinals that you were in, um, there were some mistakes that were made. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) there were some mistakes that were made, um, in choosing our judges. We needed to diversify our judges because, um, whether people want to believe it or not, you watch comedy with the experience of your life behind you and who you are and how you grew up and what you think is funny. And if you're a white person, (laughs) you're probably more likely to connect with white comedians. I don't like that. That's the case, but that's just reality. You know, Um, I enjoyed a lot of the comics that night. It was really tough to score that night because everybody was really good. Yeah. Um, I tried to score everybody as honest as possible. And honestly, I think a lot of maybe for me, for my scores, they were maybe not different enough. You know, everybody did yeah. well. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, that so night was. We went, yeah. That night was we very, told very it everything up. Up. We were in a rush because the show was running long. So we told it everything up. We took the top scores. We didn't really look at it. And everybody who went through was white. And that was a mistake. It shouldn't have been that way. So um, there wasn't really much that we could do about it at that point. We'd already given the the list to the judge. We didn't realize it. Um, And uh, it was bad. It was a bad look for the contest. It was a bad look for us. Um, We didn't really know, you know, kind of what to do about it other than... um, try to do better moving forward. So we made sure that our judges for the next rounds were more diverse and we were more thoughtful when we were totaling things up to make sure that things weren't uneven or that there weren't, you know, anybody with like personal biases. I I mean, we don't have that anyway in the judges. We make sure that our judges are scoring based on the set, not based on whether or not we know the person. And that's hard sometimes too, though, because then like the next round of semifinals, there were people that I normally really love that just like didn't have a good set. And I was so sad because I was like, I got to score it on this set. 
Yeah. You know, I really think this person should go through. Yeah. I thought my semifinal night was very uh, difficult. I didn't look at it um, the way you just described it, but it was very difficult. And then when I went to the other semifinal night, I didn't feel bad at all because I'm like, even this night was harder than my night. So I was just like, um, was that my first? It wasn't my first competition, but I was just thrilled that I made it at least to the to the semis. Um, yeah. I, I as as a contestant, I felt like it was I felt like it was good. It was just different because um, the only competition I had to compare it to was Funniest Person in Cincinnati last year, and uh, they make people like have a have a piece of paper and vote like in the audience. So that was the only difference. So I didn't really know how like it was going to be done, but. Even that was weird because like we had to clap off at the end, which was cool. But then like people were coming up to me and they were like, did you make it? And I'm like, no, I didn't make it. Like, you know, my name, I know you just met me today, but my name's Ty. Did they say Ty? Like, <laughs> and then it was like, and then it was like, well, we, then it was like, well, we voted for you. And I was like, okay. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, there's nothing I can do. Like, I mean, I appreciate it, but yeah. like. So yeah, but um, I actually enjoyed it. I had fun. I felt like I had a good tape, and I felt like I was like, long as my um, set was good, that's all I really like cared about. So I, I had fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's also tough what spot you go in. Like, um, I don't think I've ever seen somebody go up first in the finals and win. Yes, uh, that first spot is so hard. Me and uh, me and Tony Cruz did the fireworks competition at Dayton. And I think he was supposed to go towards the towards the bottom, but he got there late. So she made him go first and he placed. And I was like, dog, that's huge. Cause and I think I really thought he should have got second. No shade to the person that got second, but nah, Tony should have got second. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Now I get what you mean. Um yeah. So one of, one of the things I noticed about judging when it comes to competitions is stage presence. So what exactly is stage presence because when i think of stage presence i think of like probably like being charismatic probably like having like expressions on your face but like sometimes people aren't like that so when you guys think of stage presence like what exactly does that mean for me i look for somebody whose um energy fits their material so you can have energy and be still in like um you know theater and particularly in like um, music music performances they call it stand and deliver um where like you can you can have a lot of power and be still it just has to fit what you're doing um but if you you know sometimes people who just like are slumped or maybe fidgeting or they just don't have a lot of like energy in their body even if they're still you got to have that that kind of that energy that confidence. Um, yeah. Cause we kind of lump stage presence and performance into the same thing. So if the writing is good, but maybe the timing is off, that's kind of, that'll affect, you know, the performance aspect of it. Cause sometimes I'm like, watch a comedy clip. I'm like, Oh, that's such a good joke. But the audience isn't giving them what I feel like the joke deserves. Mm -hmm then sometimes really that what that comes down to is like delivery or energy or stage presence more so than I try really hard not to blame the audience. It is hard because sometimes the <laughs> audience just sucks. <Yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, when we did the finals for the fireworks, that audience was, it was, I mean, I felt like if you were polished, they gave you what you wanted, but it wasn't too many polish. <laughs> it wasn't too many. So it was like, it was up and down like all night. And it was just like, all right. I'm gonna give it a go. Like, you know, just give it a go. I did a contest back in 2007 at the Circleville Pumpkin Show. Wow! And it was at this bar that was like, I mean, it was like kind of ambush comedy, and that like half the people there I don't think knew there was gonna be a comedy contest. But the sound system was bad. Um, if you, and it wasn't just that it wasn't loud enough, but that the microphone wasn't very clear. So anybody who went up and either wasn't loud enough or was mumbling and the audience couldn't hear or understand them, they just gave up and started talking. Yeah. And I was watching this happen and I was watching people go up and the audience like trying to pay attention to them. And then if they couldn't hear it, they would just give up. So I was like, okay, when I go up there, I have to be loud. I have to speak slowly and I have to speak clearly. Yeah. yeah. So I really didn't necessarily perform my material the same way that I normally do, but I won the contest. Yeah. <laughs> I've start, I've started to know that notice that with the mics more so open mics I mean comedy clubs usually got their mics right sometimes it'd be a little off but I'm just I'm really starting to notice like okay this this isn't loud enough my monitors in the front aren't working like I'm really starting to notice that a little bit more so um, but then when you only got five minutes you can't really be like hey fix my <laughs> fix this <Right. laughs> um, you're like uh, one of the you're not the only one but. I'll just say for Columbus, because I don't really pay attention to other scenes. Cincinnati has a lot. I don't really know about Cleveland, but you're one of the only ones that does com. Well, you're one of the few that does comedy um, as a woman here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and you're one of the most busiest ones. So how do you feel uh, the state of comedy is for women going forward in Columbus, Ohio? Because I feel like you guys yeah. are getting... <clears throat> I feel like there's a... Um, there's a there's a there's there's some that I see every day like on the open mic scene and there's some that just kind of like randomly pop out and they're funny and I'll be like dang I wish you would do like more um but there's I just feel like there's it's still a little bit behind and we need more representation so like how do you feel about the state of comedy for women in, in Ohio that's so interesting because like when I started I was like the only one mm -hmm. um I think on that contest, there might've been one other woman that was on the entire contest and she was an older woman. I don't, I don't remember her name. I don't think I've seen her since, but, um, Patsy B started not long after I did. I think Leslie battle probably started maybe four or five years after I did. Um, and then I, we started seeing a lot more women. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, there were other like women, like you said, that I would see every now and then, but not like out all of out all the time. Yeah. And um, so for me, seeing the scene now, I'm like, oh, there's so many women. Right. <laughs> but I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's still not it's still mostly a man's world when yeah. it comes to comedy. Um, and that may just be the nature of it as well. Um, although when I look at, you know, comedians that are pop or comedians that I follow and stuff on Instagram, there's certainly a lot more women now than there used to be. Um, as far as in, in Columbus, uh, it, it's just different. Everything's different since, I mean, I know we weren't going to get too deep, but everything's different since the Me Too movement. 
And there are a lot more safer spaces for women, which is good. Things kind of swung hard the other way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> used to be like super not safe. And then it's like real swung real hard the other way. And now we're kind of finding a balance in the middle to where um, I think, you know, uh, I think there's like a, I, this is going to sound bad, but I think like a lot of people got like unnecessarily canceled. Mm -hmm. There are people that deserve to be canceled. Don't get me wrong. But there, there were also people that it was just like, especially locally, where it was like, oh, well, this person worked with this person that worked with this person that worked with this person. So you can't book them. It's like, okay, well, where's the line? Yeah. Yeah. So it's getting back into the middle. And so now it feels a little bit more comfortable, but I think it's still hard for women to feel safe anywhere. Mm -hmm. And because there have been problematic men in comedy, it makes it sometimes hard. And especially if, you know, those comics go back out on tour, mm -hmm. which happens, then women think, oh, is this a safe profession for me to go into? Because I heard Bill Cosby was going to be back. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not like going to lie. I'd go see Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't cancel me for that. But I would go see, I'm not going to have drinks with him, but I'll see uh. You don't He's a legend. Mind. When you <laughs> your damn mind, you I don't think he should be allowed in public, but <laughs> <laughs> I do want to see him. Oh, <laughs> oh, I have, I have four sisters, so I know how to, I know how to charm a woman. I know how to get on their nerves. How to be their best friend or their worst enemy. Uh, but what got me into comedy was really my mom. Like she, like freaking hilarious. I think she's probably funnier than me. And one day I just asked her, like, you know, I never really thought to ask my mom, what did she want to be when she when she grew up? And she told me that uh, she wanted to be a comic. And I was like, OK. And uh, ever since I've been in the game, I just really been trying to make women feel as safe as possible, even if I don't get along with them or if I don't think they're funny. Like, I just try to no matter what, just try to make them feel safe. So in what ways can us men make you women feel safe um, doing the thing that you love the most, which is comedy? Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, I think just treating us like you would treat anybody. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, that's 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 tough. What can we do to, to feel safe? I guess, yeah, look, look out for us and I keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I, it's I can I see the the men that treat um, treat me anyway, like like just another comic. And then there are men that look at me like, you know, like yeah. how men look at women, which is, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Um, oh, that's such a good question. I don't feel like I have a good answer. I hear people say all the time about kids, you know, they're like, having girls is tough. Mm -hmm. And I don't d deny that mm -hmm. having girls is tough. But I feel like that for me, there's a larger responsibility for me as a, as a mother of a boy to it's the boy moms that have the responsibility to change the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We have to teach them how to, how to have a safer society for women, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I really, I'll let him do anything that he wants to do, whether it's for a boy or for a girl, you know, his favorite color is purple. He loves rainbows he also loves trucks and cars. And I'm like, whatever you like is fine. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, 
tell him to, tr you know, treat all of his friends the same, regardless of whether or not they're boys or girls. And we're also really big on consent in our house to like, if, if I want to give him a hug, I ask him, can I give you a hug? You know, anytime I'm going to touch him or he didn't touch me, we, there's a, there's a verbal exchange there because I feel like those are the things that you instill naturally. Mm. It's these, it's the, like the, the creepy uncle you had who was like, come here and give me a kiss. And you're like, no, I don't want you. And they're like, I'm going to make you. That's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Especially, yeah. I mean, you can't do that to little girls, but I don't think you can do that to little boys either because then that teaches them that it's okay. Yeah. So. And to piggyback on that, that's what I was going to say. Like, keep your kids away from the creepy uncle. Don't let them spend the mm -hmm. night over there. <laughs> because they tell you things and you'd be like, I should know what the color I shouldn't know what that is at seven. <laughs> yeah. What I is also just try to keep an open dialogue with him too. I'm like, there's nothing you can't talk to me about. Mm. And uh, um, I've also been like very clear with like, you know, my, um, my mom and his, my, uh, and his, my mother-in-law that like, they don't have secrets with my kid. Like, yeah. cause it's, Cause we have rules for like the grandparents, like, okay, you know, don't, you know, let him watch too much TV or whatever. And if they let him watch too much TV, I don't want them saying to him, like, just don't tell your mom because like, I want him to know he can tell me anything. And I definitely don't want him to believe that keeping a secret with an adult from his parents is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So I told them, I was like, if you break the rules, you break the rules, but don't ever tell him to keep a secret from me. So I think those two things are kind of the most important in terms of raising a, a young man to um, to have, a I guess, a better place for women. It's like yeah, you make yeah. sure that like consent and respect and then also like tell me anything. Yeah. 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 I always yeah. want him to be able to communicate with me. Yeah. I never thought about that. Not uh, keeping secrets within the family. That's smart. That's smart. Um, so now that you are blazing the stage, you're doing your thing, you're hosting, you're, uh, you know, at the Funny Bone, like every, every weekend, pretty much. What is like the next uh, level? Because I'm noticing like you get in the game, you do open mics, then you, you know, you do enough open mics, people will see you enough, they might book you for a show, then you start building that repertoire, you get good tape, you can, might do festivals or you might go into yeah. hosting, and then you go hosting the feature, like what's, what's the next level for you? Like what's, what is that? And how do you get there? I guess. How do I get there? Yeah. So um, there's all kinds, of, obviously there's all kinds of different paths in comedy. And it's so funny that I'm in the place that I am with my success right now um, because I stopped trying to make it my only career. Um, mm -hmm. I think for a lot of comics, like the idea of like making it is quitting your day job. And I don't want to quit my day job. I like my day job. It pays my bills and it puts a lot less pressure on me to take every single gig. I don't feel like I have to hustle as much. But then, of course, like once I said that to myself and made that decision and kind of relaxed in where I am, I started getting a lot of bookings, which mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for. Um, but I'm also not really trying to push to like go on the road or level up in terms of number of gigs. I'm more selective with what I take 
and my um, my goals in comedy are different. Um, I'm not I'm no longer trying to do it full time. Um, I have never recorded an album mm -hmm. in 17 years. Uh, so that's on my list of things that I'd like to accomplish. I'd like to record a special. I think maybe record a special more than an album, just because I think it's a little bit more accessible right now um, mm -hmm. to watch comedy or at least like clip it up or put it on YouTube or something rather than just recording an album. I could, you know, release it as both, but um, I'd really like to do a special. Um, and I've talked to a friend of mine who records specials about potentially doing one in the next year. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Um and I, this is so funny and kind of weird to admit. I've never had merch. Oh, that's not weird to admit. No. It's just like I've missed out on so much money I could have been making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when I was doing it a lot and I was on the road a lot. And people are like, you don't have merch? I just never did it. And so I'd like to have merch. I don't know. Yeah, I guess yeah. I got to find a joke that I feel like could, could be merch and then I got to design something and have it made so but, when you yeah. do this when you do this special and it blows up and then everybody's calling your name and they want you to come to you know south dakota and uh washington and you know dallas for a weekend will you change your mind about doing comedy full-time like if would you change your mind if the money you make from comedy outweighs the money you make from your day job uh it depends it um, may, maybe, but my family is super important mm. and I know that that road life is tough. Mm. Um, if it's 18 years from now <laughs> or 13 years from now <laughs> when he's an adult, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. But, uh, until he's out of the house, no, I really, I want to be active in his life. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first few years of his life, I was working at Upfront Stage, which was part of Shadowbox Live. And um, I was there four nights a week uh, towards the end of the time that I was there. And um, I was hosting and producing and booking. And um, all of it was great. I, I feel like I helped a lot of people with their careers in comedy. Um, but I wasn't doing as much for myself. Because most mm -hmm. of the time I was just doing announcements or I was doing a host set. I wasn't really working on my own set as much. And since I stepped away from that, I've had more time to spend with my family and I've had more time to work on my own material. And now I'm really just doing comedy for me, which yes. I love. Um, I, I know it's a luxury. Like I know because I because I don't really go to open mics very much. And I want to because I, I kind of miss being part of the, the community. But um, but I'm also, you know old and tired and i don't want to go to a mic that starts at nine <laughs> that's the thing man what is up with everybody starting their mic super duper late like yeah. i'm 32 i gotta be i gotta get up at four like i always be like listen let me go within the top five i'm not trying to you know be a be a be a grinch but dude i gotta get up in the morning bro like for real these young 20 yeah. year olds they got jobs that start at 10 and eight o'clock I, I don't I can't do that. I can't I can't do that. No. That'd be that'd be really be making me feel bad because I'd be wanting to stay and like converse with some people, not everybody, but like and it'd be like, I want to, bro, but I gotta I, I still gotta cook. Yeah. 
It's a grind, yeah. man. It's a grind. Well, it's like the ones that, uh, like the attic starts, I think the workshop starts at six or something like that. So there's a few out there, but you know, the crowd's different. Yeah. yeah I don't have that same experience. I yeah, remember I when I first started going out to the ones that, you know, ended at two o'clock in the morning and that was fun, but yeah, it's not yeah. me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel about the Columbus scene? Like we got a lot of new comics. We got comics that are gaining you know, attention nationally. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you feel about the scene? Like, where do you see it like five years from now? Because honestly, when we did the, when we did the contest, I was like, dang, there's really, there really is some heat. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't mm -hmm. know how, if every one of them take it serious and they want to do it full time, but we can at least say we got some heat. So how do you feel about the scene and the future of it? It's very exciting. It's a very exciting time. It's like the comedy's back, you know? Because, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the scene's very different from what it was before the pandemic. And I know there was like, there was a scene during the pandemic, which was uh, split a lot of people, <laughs> but cause there were still people going to mics and stuff, which is crazy to me, but yeah, I don't know. I'm different in that way. I didn't, I didn't want to get it, but I have a kid and I have older parents. So I you know, that's understand. part of why if you're young and you don't care about getting COVID, I don't know. It's just it was <laughs> a weird time. So there was a, there was like a whole COVID scene. And then when uh, things opened back up, it was kind of like open season because mm. a lot of rooms didn't have a booker or they didn't have a regular show. And so people were going and starting new shows. And a lot of the rooms that I remembered going to either don't exist or they're just run by somebody different or, you know, I mean, tree bar is gone. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a lot of the shows that, I mean, the room that I was running isn't really doing much anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just different, but it's exciting. And uh, and I I like meeting all the all the new people and seeing. Yeah, kind of watching like, oh, this these are the people that I think will make it or you know, yeah. the, the people I think that will will do well or will succeed or that are taking it seriously. And I. That's ex super exciting to me. So it's a very exciting time. I agree with the the contest. It was packed full of. I mean, like I said, that the semifinal night that you were in was. Every single person could have gone through. <laughs> it was yeah. so, that was so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. I think I'm interested to see what happens in the next few years. Um, we need a festival in Columbus. Columbus yeah. is missing a festival. I was working on producing a festival when COVID hit. It was supposed to be our first year of the festival in 2020. And then we postponed it. And then 2021 didn't look good for it either. And then when we decided whether or not we were going to postpone or cancel it, same thing that I just talked about. Like a lot of the venues didn't exist anymore. Mm. And so we thought we don't even know where we would have this festival. Right. So I think now that things are getting back again and a lot of shows are more established, I think it'll I think it'll happen soon. I don't know if I want to produce it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's think, a lot of work. Yeah, I think if we I think if uh just from the outside looking in, I think if we do just keep doing the open mics and uh let me write that down because I didn't mean to ask you about that. Uh if we keep doing the open mics and the showcase, I think um I think we could build that local 
fan base again that make them want to come out on a more consistent basis and support local comics because yeah. like i hate one of the things i hate doing the most about comedy is promoting myself it's not that i don't think i'm funny or anything but it's like uh, I'm, I'm tired of saying hey come out friday eight o'clock ten dollars because it's like they're not <laughs> they're not gonna come but i feel like if we build that relationship i think they'll they'll come more and uh yeah yeah we'll, we'll find that love but i do see yeah. that um I know every uh, Funny Bone, that's our local club here. I know every Funny Bone kind of runs differently, kind of the same, but differently. And I do see that you guys are kind of taking what Liberty uh, Township is doing with having an open mic just in the little bar area. Um, yeah. What are the plans with that? How do you get on that? And what's the what's the outcome of it? Like, if you do good, do you get on a showcase? Like, because I know it's I something mean, new. So It's brand new. So, um, you know, this is something that the, um, the general manager of the club wanted to do. Um, he is very interested in supporting local talent. Um, it's hard sometimes to keep something consistent, I think, in the main room um, because they, you know, have to justify it fiscally in terms of staffing and, you know, ticket sales and stuff. So sometimes that's hard. Mm -hmm. um, the contests usually do well because people want to bring so that they can win. Um, yeah but the um the showcase nights sometimes can be a tough sell so i think this is something they're trying out to see okay if we do a free show and we limit our staff and we just make you know money off of food and beverage or whatever and see how that goes um so yeah they're just kind of trying it out he's trying out stuff because he wants to support the local community and give people opportunities but he also has a business to run <laughs> right, right so right. this is a way to kind of try that out um i'll be interested to see what people think if they like the stage, if they like the format, um, how it works, I'm going to go into it with, you know, a positive attitude and open mind to like get people's feedback. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I'm just kind of helping out. Um, I do think that I, you know, would like to have a, a role in in helping run these things because I also enjoy the the local scene and supporting that. So um and I, I think I'm good at it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've done I've done this for a long time. So yeah. I have experience in running it. So so that'll be good. Um, I think the way they're kind of kind of do this first one is if you do well, then uh, you get a chance to come back and host the next one. Um, oh, and I think uh, the hosts get paid a little bit of money. So um, so that's the incentive right there. But I yeah, I mean, of course, anytime you're in the club, whether it's in the bar or in the main room or in the audience or anywhere you're visible to the people that work there the people that book you never know when the big boss is in the room and who when he might see you it took me 17 years doing comedy to get i'm only just now in the last you know year year and a half in in rotation for hosting and featuring yeah. and i'm very very grateful for that but people are like how did you do that I'm like, I, I've been here 17 years. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get these opportunities? It's um, it's right place, right time. And then it's being professional when you're there, you know? Yeah. Um, I show up on time. I make sure that I ask a lot of questions of what I'm supposed to do. You know, the hosts, they give you like business that you got to do as far as like celebrations and Mm -hmm. promoting the website and upcoming shows. And I always make sure I check all those boxes. Um, if they cancel a show on me, I say, no big deal. Call me when you've got another opportunity. Um, some people get mad. 
Yeah. And you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, tough, I, but it's, yeah. That's what I've been learning. Like, I, I, I think I got the professionalism part down. I feel like people For want sure. me to talk more, but it's like, eh, some of y'all a little weird. But like, um, <laughs> yeah. but um, I've, I've been learning how to, uh, since we've been having a showcase in the, in the club, which I was really wanting because it's like, I feel like, how do I say this nicely? I feel like you could tell who wants, who takes it seriously and who don't. Like, I feel like if a comic is always just booking local shows at local venues and bars, I'm not saying that you're not taking it seriously, but I'm I, at a time I was getting, when I didn't understand the game, I was getting jealous because I'm like, dang, everybody's getting booked and I'm not. And it's kind of frustrating. Um, but then I looked at their bookings. I'm like, oh, all these are like bars and local venues they're not even in comedy clubs so they're not even and i felt like well if you want to be a comic one of the places you go is a comedy club and they're not right. in there so it's like okay scratch them off the list they're not really taking this you know seriously so i stopped getting judged about that but um what i've learned in being in comedy clubs since you guys are opening it up is to like what jokes to tell how to rearrange yeah. how to arrange the jokes and uh you know, because I come for the neck right off the bat. You know what I'm saying? So it's like maybe you should say that towards the end or the middle, you know. So I'm very grateful for that because I've I learned that part of it. But yeah, uh, that's why I'm just so happy that it no matter what, that is open just because I was like, I need that club experience if this is you know what I want to do um full time. So thank you for being a part of that. Um, but as we start to wrap things up here, what who is on um your Mount Rushmore for comedy? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question. <laughs> okay, on the Mount Rushmore for me. Uh, like when I think of like the greatest, the greatest. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm gonna, who needs going? <laughs> I felt like my TV was too loud. Uh, I just noticed it. Now. Oh, I didn't yeah. even hear it. Okay. Um, cool. uh, it's gonna this is gonna be bad because I don't I, I can't think of a woman to put up there and I should <laughs> as a woman. I'll be struggling with that too, man, but it's hard. I hate um, saying that I hate saying the average like Wanda Sykes, you know what I'm saying? Like right. I feel like there's so much more out there, but yeah, yeah. And for me, you know, it used to and maybe it still is Ellen DeGeneres. If I'm gonna put a woman up there, I know she has had a lot of heat lately for not being a nice person um i don't and know I'm, and i'm like who's who is scared to stand up to ellen degenerates because i'll be like who the fuck you talking to like but when i think of like at least for my generation like her her set her very first set on the tonight show and getting invited to sit to sit down and talk to you know talk to carson that's like that's a that's a big deal yeah um and everything she's done since then. So if I'm gonna put a woman up there, I'll put Ellen up there. <laughs> um Richard Pryor, for sure. He to me might be like the greatest of all time. Um George Carlin. Um uh, it's so hard to pick just four. <laughs> and I I know he's also getting a lot of heat, but I'm still going to put Dave up there. Dave Chappelle. Okay. Bing bong.
All right, that's a good list. That's a good, that's a good list. Um, yeah. I just when I think of like Pryor and Carlin, it's like Dave Chappelle is like the he's like the current, I think, of of that same caliber. So, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of um parallels there. Yeah. I just Although want- I worry that he goes the route of Lenny Bruce cuz like Lenny Bruce obviously was a legend and he could easily be on that route Mount Rushmore too, but he got so consumed in being censored, which is what they used to call being canceled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got so consumed with being censored that he wrote about that and it was funny, but then he just kept spiraling to where it wasn't comedy anymore. Oh, and yeah. I worry a little bit that sometimes what Dave's doing isn't necessarily comedy anymore. Yeah. But um, but he's I don't know, he's still the he's still the goat. Yeah. <laughs> I um it, it just it's just America in a weird time, like try to like not say what you want to say. Clearly, there were some words that maybe we shouldn't have said that okay, we got the mental awareness be like all right well you know we're not gonna say that anymore but i feel like it's yeah. a comic you can go up there and say whatever you want to say i just feel like there's a way to say it and like what's the point of you saying it and that's one right. thing and that's one thing i've been learning you know with doing these open mics and getting in these clubs is like okay are we just saying this to shock people or like what's the point like and just stick to the point and drive the point home like that's i find that you get more a better reaction to that. And my counselor told me earlier, like, if you're going to go up there, like, have a point. But, like, just hitting the mics, I've been learning that more and more. So I try to keep that in mind. Like, okay, like, yeah, this may be – like, that's what – and, like, hearing – other because I really don't hear other people's sets. I always have my my air my AirPods in. But, like, when I take them out and I hear other people's sets, I'd be like, yeah, that's funny. But, like, what's the point of you saying it? Like, just because yeah. somebody got shot – just because the school got shot up in Pittsburgh, like, was what's the point of you saying it? Like, it's like, yeah, I just try to figure out, like, what's the point? Um, so that's been helping me out a lot. But uh, no, I think there's comedy that can can say something and then and still be funny. Yeah. But I think there's also something to be said for one of my personal favorites. And I guess if if you are if we're putting in the Mount Rushmore our favorites, my personal favorite is Jim Gaffigan. And he's clean and he'll talk for 10 minutes about horses or shoes or socks. And, but it's a, it's a, an escape. When I listen to him, I don't think about all the problems in the world mm. because I'm laughing about socks. Yeah. And I think there's still validity in that, even if yeah. it's not. Um, so I hear what you say. It's like, yeah, you got to be saying something. So you either got to be saying something or you got to be saying absolutely nothing. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 either way, yeah. it's got to be funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get to that point where, because when I went yeah. to L.A. for the first time, I heard this comic made a, a joke about dandruff. And I'm like, what the f-? Like, how did you, like, what? Like, So ever since then, I'm like, man, let me just find something that is just like oddly weird and just make a joke about it. And yeah, I try to stay yeah. on that. But lately I've been trying to just talk about personal stuff and that's been working. But yeah. I do try to keep like, you know, making jokes about like little little knickknack stuff. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, if you look at the guy who won the contest, Tony Bowers, he did an entire set on his kids' T ball team. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that and I guess that's the only other thing I can say about like when people say well, how did you get these opportunities? When I first started, my comedy was really dirty. I used a lot of cuss words. I talked about sex a lot. I, you know, and there's, again, nothing wrong with that. But when you're first starting, it's harder for clubs to book you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and sometimes you can get trapped in being a host or being a feature and not necessarily moving up to headliner if you're catering to what they want. So there right. is that avenue of it too. Like, I don't know how quickly I would move up to being a headliner, but I'm getting good work as a host and a feature because my comedy is much cleaner now. Yeah. And the club sometimes will get requests for a clean opener and their list of clean comics in Columbus is pretty short. Yeah. So I, I like that. I get to be on that, that short list. Yeah. Man, I try to be, I, 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 I pride myself in being clean, but then when I went to <laughs> when I went to Dayton, it seemed like everybody had a had a sex joke, and I'm like, dang dog, like so should I go back to that? Cause all them places and I didn't. Like I'm just like, <laughs> 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 yeah. and the judges, I, I felt like all the judges was kind of like old too, so it was like, well, dang, all right, cool, and I just yeah. I bring the pubic hair joke back out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I try to mix it up based on where I am. I mean, I've still got dirty jokes, so get yeah. me wrong. And sometimes my clean jokes, if it's a dirt dirtier night, I just throw in a few cuss words. But yeah, yeah, I can yeah. do them clean, which I yeah, think yeah, helps yeah. me be more bookable. What are like uh, anybody that's listen, listening to this right now, young comic or veteran in the game? What's some words of encouragement you can give them? Be kind. You never know who's going to give you an opportunity. Um, and yeah, just be kind. Um, be nice to the venues where you're doing open mics, you know, don't go up and roast the host, as they say, don't make fun of the venue or, um, yeah, just be nice to everybody. I think, um, I, I try, I try hard to, to just be kind to everybody. It's not always easy, especially if people are mean to me Right. <laughs> or if right. I see people acting up, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I, I try my best to just, um, go in with kindness, tell people good set. Um, yeah, you can tell, go a long way with just being nice. Nikki, tell people why they should listen to uh, comedians in bed. Because the host is the best. <laughs> they sh you should listen to comedians in bed because Ty asks great questions, brings on great hosts. I mean, I bring on great great guests. Um, as I fumble through my words, <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. This has been good conversation. Who doesn't like listening to good conversation between two funny people? <laughs> I love asking that question because people struggle so much how to answer it. Nikki, <laughs> 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 you tell people where they can find you at. You can find me on Instagram and on TikTok at Nikki Wink. Oh, I haven't done anything with my TikTok lately. I gotta do something <laughs> with it. Um, and um, have a I'll have a website live soon, which is NikkiWink.com. And you can find me occasionally at the Columbus Funny Bone. Sometimes I'm on the Don't Tell Comedy shows. And uh, yeah, that's your that's your merch right there, Nikki Wink with a winky eye. Boom. That's it right there. Thank you, Wake. Yeah, that's it right there. Put it on a hat or something. I was thinking about putting something on a hat. I yeah. forgot the idea, but well, I do got a phrase that I say. I don't know if everybody else say it. I say for why a lot. So I was thinking about just making that my merch for why. That yeah, it's I think it's like tying it into a joke, but like, but it has to be something that people want to wear. Right. Yeah. Right, right. right. Um, I love what Kenny Mock has. He's got that joke about this his shirt. And then he sells little air fresheners shaped like the shirt. <laughs> and I feel like 
merch is tough because like t-shirts are hard because people always want a specific size hats are great especially yeah. the adjustable ones you know yeah yeah that is true if you want to watch next week's episode man go ahead subscribe to my youtube channel at tye comedy we go live every tuesday at 11 a.m 8 a.m pacific time for all the people on the west coast that are watching this man we want to thank nikki for being on this show please make sure you hit up all her socials give her a follow and if you're in columbus or you know if you live in columbus and you want to get away for the weekend i'm pretty sure if you go to the funny bone nikki will be there so we're so excited to have her on today nikki thanks for popping on with us today man we greatly appreciate it um taking a break from being a mom i greatly appreciate that so much uh also yeah man be sure to follow uh us on ig as well as comedians in bad podcast still trying to build that up Uh, but other than that man we'll see you guys next week toodles